Hey, thanks for joining us for today's sermon. My name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here at Berean Baptist Church in Mansfield, Ohio. And we would love to help you connect to your next step towards following Jesus. If you visit our website at bereanfamily.com, you can reach out to us. We would love to pray for you and just connect you to the ministries here of what God is doing uh, in our region. And so please check us out there. And here's today's sermon. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dan, uh, the lead pastor here. If you're a visitor with us, thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to do a couple things today, so it's a little bit different uh, than our normal uh, kind of rhythm in the service. Uh, of course, I'm going to be preaching, and I'm going to be preaching uh, from Proverbs chapter 10 and a little bit in chapter 11. So if you need a little extra time to get to your text, you can start looking now. Um, I'll give you a hint. It's in the Old Testament, which is before the New Testament. So uh, you should hopefully be able to find it from there. So Proverbs 10 and 11. I can already hear you're not going to laugh at any of my bad jokes. So I'm actually, every time I tell a joke and you don't laugh, I'm preaching for five minutes longer. So that's right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so before we get into the text, so I want to give you an update as to uh, where I was and where, who was with me over the last uh, 10 days or so. If you may have noticed, if you were here, that I was not here. Um, I was with a team in the United Kingdom. So I want to give you kind of a brief overview of where we were, who was with me, why we were there uh, before we jump into our text. So we're going to start off with that. Um, so first of all, who was with me? Uh, we had a bunch of uh, Brianners with, with us on this trip. It was myself and my wife Kelly, along with Todd and Linda Snyder, um, uh, Tony and Ruth Ann Chirico, Stephen Phyllis McChesney, Clinton Peggy Sabin, and Pastor Phil. Uh, and there was also a couple, uh, Josh and Sarah Saros, who are from near the Myrtle Beach area. He's a pastor there that, that I was connected with through our denomination for me to coach. Um, so you can pray for him. Uh, for sure. But that was the team that was with us, and there's, there's several reasons to be interested in the ministry in the United Kingdom. Um, I would say first and foremost, uh, the United Kingdom, spiritually speaking, is where the United States is heading. Uh, so it's a post-Christian culture, um, and, and they've, they're feeling the effects of what I would say liberal theology, um, a, a, a lack of um, um, a commitment to the, the, to the scriptures. And uh, th that led to the kind of the taking the truth uh, away from our message. Uh, it crippled the message, as you would imagine. And, and the church in the United Kingdom has suffered um, dearly. So by going there and, 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 and interacting with people who are, who are seeing growth right now. Um, in fact, most of, uh, of the United Kingdom is so post-Christian, Generation Z is considered pre-Christian. Uh, meaning that the people under 25 years old really have no understanding at all of Christianity and the gospel message. But we're able to go and, and meet with some really um, sharp leaders and learn from them that, in, in ways that hopefully we can avoid making some of the same mistakes that the church in the United Kingdom did. The other thing is this. Uh, we want to be a part of what God is doing uh, throughout the world. The United Kingdom has rich history of supporting uh, missions. And, and if you go back 150 years, much of the, the missionaries that were seeing success in places like Asia came from the United Kingdom. And, and I would love to see the time where we have that partnership again in, in, in proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the earth. Uh, so a couple pictures for you to kind of show uh, where we were at. The first one is this. is the Stockwell Baptist Church. Uh, Stockwell Baptist Church was founded in 1866. The first one ever to preach at that church was uh, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, if you're uh, familiar with him, he had an orphanage not far from there. I heard Mick woo when he saw the church because him and Jen actually got to go there for a service uh, a month or two ago, so it's pretty cool. 
That's Pastor Yannick is their lead pastor, and Pastor Nate is the associate pastor. Our team met with Pastor Nate as Yannick was out of the country and heard about what God was doing there. This church, just a few short years ago, was probably 20 or 30 people, uh, and all of them were over 80 years old. They reached out to Pastor Yannick, and he became their first black lead pastor of Stockwell Baptist Church. It's in an area that had, uh, had, was a white area for years. It became a black area since the 1970s and always had a white pastor until Pastor Yannick. And we're seeing some great success in that, in that church right now. Um, over 200 people there on a Sunday. They're crammed out. Um, they have a tent up to keep the water from falling on you. The building needs some repairs, um, and their balcony is closed. And they're at the point now with their growth where they need to open up that balcony. So we heard about what God was doing there and some of the needs that they have um, as well. From there, we met with a gentleman named Neil Powell. Neil Powell is the head of the London Project. Uh, the London Project was birthed out of something called City to City, uh, which was birthed from Redeemer Church and the late uh, Timothy Keller, if you're familiar with him. And Neil, Neil has found something interesting. So in London, London is the, obviously it's the biggest city in the United Kingdom, while the rest of the United Kingdom is still experiencing um, a decrease annually in the number of evangelical Christians, London it's actually now starting to grow. And that's very exciting. But one of the interesting things about the growth of the church in London is that it's growing because of the uh, immigrant population. So, so Ethiopians who have come back with their faith and are planting churches, Somalis and so on and so forth, uh, they're seeing an influx of Christians from other countries, including Christians from the Middle Eastern countries who are being persecuted and had to seek asylum and now are planting churches uh, in London and, and other places as well. So it's pretty exciting what ha what's happening there. Uh, the second place we went to, and I'm going to say the cities as you would say them there, all right? So the second place we went to is Birmingham. Birmingham is the second biggest city in the United Kingdom. And we've got a picture here. I have no idea what the building is, but I thought it was pretty. Um, you almost got another five minutes there, guys. Um, so, so we took a picture of it, but that's right in the city center. Uh, we, we get to hear from, I don't know, four or five super sharp pastors. And I'll just tell you, we were so encouraged by what God is doing there as well. I uh, met one pastor, Pastor Johnny. Him and I are starting to talk about what it might look like to have a, a sister church relationship uh, there like we do in Liverpool. Uh, Johnny was an attorney and uh, decided that he was going to give up uh, practicing law to plant the church. And uh, there's, there's quite a few guys like him doing that. So it's, a, it's really encouraging. Um, from Birmingham, we went to Liverpool. And uh, we have a picture up here of inside of Christ Church. If you remember this last summer, I had Pastor Morris come and lead us in communion. This is the church and congregation that he pastors. Uh, they meet in a school, and they desperately need a building. Uh, they desperately need a building. They thought they had one purchased, uh, and it fell through. They've been looking for something like 12 years. So it's a matter of prayer. Um, you're going to hear more about, as the months go on, how we're going to partner with them uh, in prayer. Uh, but from Christ Church, we went and visited uh, a, a church building in a, in a suburb called Kirby. Kirby's just outside of Liverpool. I had spoken about this before. There's about 40,000 people in Kirby. And to their best estimate, about 0.1% of those 40,000 attend an evangelical Christian church in Kirby. So if there are other Christians in Kirby, they're leaving uh, Kirby into the city center to go to a church service. So uh, we met with this guy, Williams. So, so Williams up here with Pastor Morris. Um, it was a little cold in there. That's why Morris still has his jacket on. But, uh, and he was giving us the history of this church. And William is an 86-year-old man. Uh, he survived World War II, the bombings in Liverpool. His fam family was evacuated during that time. And he has seen a lot of stuff. 
He really has. He, he was part of the, uh, the uh, beginnings of this church that we're in, um, and he, he wants to see there to be life again. His wife has passed away, and he has one more wish. He wants to see the life in that church before he, he passes away as well. Uh, that's, that's me with William there. Wonderful gentleman. There wasn't a dry eye, I don't think, in the group once he finished uh, sharing um, his hopes and dreams and aspirations for the church in Kirby. So more on that later as well. We have a uh, mission board meeting this Tuesday where we're going to unpack all of this and determine how and um, how we can uh, partner with Christ Church Liverpool to bring revitalization to that um, particular congregation. Um, next and last slide is in Edinburgh. You can see the, the hotel we stayed at. Just kidding. Um, that's actually, <laughs> they kicked us out. I don't know, it was weird. Uh, that's actually uh, the castle at the Royal Mile there. Absolutely. Has, has anybody been to Edinburgh? Raise your hand. A few of you. Beautiful place. I mean, beautiful place. Spiritually dark. So Scotland used to be known as the country or the land of the book. Did you guys know that? The land of the book, referring to the Bible. No longer is that the case. A very small percentage of believers in Scotland. And we got to meet with two different pastors. Neil McMillan, who pastors a Presbyterian church that's seeing some growth and fruit uh, in the city center, and uh, Pastor Matt Round. Matthew Round is an impressive guy. Uh, he was one of the first 20 employees for Amazon. Just think about that. One of the first 20 employees for Amazon uh, decided he wanted to move home to Edinburgh and literally talked to Jeff Bezos. I don't know if you've ever heard of the guy. And, and Jeff asked him to open an office for Amazon in the United Kingdom, and he did. Uh, and then he has since left Amazon to plant the church. Uh, this, is, this is an impressive guy doing some impressive work in a very, very difficult area to do so. So we got kind of a, um, drinking, uh, taking a drink from a fire hose on this trip. Uh, very encouraging, though, uh, what the Lord is doing and putting together. More on all of that later. Uh, no decisions really have been made, but we will keep you up to date as to uh, what comes from that. So hopefully there will be an opportunity if, if you're one of those people that say, I want to go do ministry uh, in a different country. Um, but it'd be nice if they spoke English. <laughs> Hopefully there'll be a trip for you here in the, in the short future. So that's that. If you want to hear more about it, if you have more questions about it, you can do that at the business meeting tonight. Um, I'd be happy to entertain any questions about that at that time. But now we're going to go ahead and turn our attention to the text and to uh, Proverbs chapter 10, right after I have a quick drink of water. So i got to tell you, as we transition here, the first time I went to the United Kingdom, to London, um, I, I didn't want to be that redneck American that didn't really like present himself well. So I wore these shoes, um, kind of these dress shoes, but they're, they're kind of comfortable kind of a thing. And to, only to find out we were going to walk about 22 to 23,000 steps every day. And in about day three, uh, my feet were bleeding every day. Every, and by the way, like nobody there wears size 14 shoes. So I said, I'll go buy some new tennis shoes. And nobody sold them in my size. And I'm thinking, where are my genetics from? <laughs> is there nobody left in this country, in my homeland, that has shoes that fit me? But I got to tell you, I quickly had some regrets with my footwear. I quickly had some regrets with what I was wearing. Um, and and it, it really kind of, in some ways, ruined the experience because I was in a ton of pain all the time. Have you ever done anything in your life that you've regretted? Don't look at your spouse. <laughs> Don't do it. He's going to get you in trouble. Right? The truth of the matter is we've all done things in our lives that have caused some amount of regret, right? Sometimes it's something trivial like having the wrong shoes on and you end up bleeding and, and, and things like that. But, but other times and often it's a little bit more serious, the things that we regret. 
You know, probably all of us in this room have some regrets uh, for things that we've done in our lives, you know. Uh, maybe there's been a word spoken in anger. You know, I, I remember this from when I was a little boy in Sunday school class. I remember the person's name, Mick Becker. Mick Becker, when he told us as we were little kids, that when he was a young boy, him and his sister would fight all the time. And the, he said to his sister one time, right before she left the house, that he hated her. And she got into a car accident and died. The last words he said to his sister was, I hate you. And boy, did he regret it. You know, our words, we, we got to be really careful. we got to be really careful what we say, because that can cause a lot of regret. So maybe there's words spoken in anger. Maybe there was a sin committed in secret that has been kind of haunting you, and, and you have some lots of regrets because of what it's happened because of the result of that sin. Perhaps there's been a regret of allowing ourselves to be too prideful when humility was in order. I, I know I have regrets. I look back on my life, and, and the bad things that happen, you know, I do give them over to the Lord, and I can walk in freedom from feeling guilt and shame. But that being said, I, I wish I could go back and change some of the things I did, some of the ways I behaved uh, in, in my younger years. Anybody else? Yeah? Probably, uh, hopefully a couple of you, <laughs> right? Uh, about five or six years ago, I've shared some of this before, five or six years ago, I got a Facebook message, and, and I didn't recognize the person sending other than uh, the, the mutual friends that we had. I, I realized he must have went to high school with me. And um, in the Facebook message, it said, uh, Dan, I, I'm glad to see you're a pastor now and you've turned your life around, but I want you to know I still have nightmares about you. That's not funny. <laughs> I'm adding five minutes for that. <laughs> No, I, I, it, I guess it's kind of funny in like a really wrong sort of way, I don't know, but um, honestly, I've got some regrets. Apparently, I bullied this guy. I don't even remember his name. How we act, how we act, what we say, what we do, man, it can really impact the people around us. And I want for you what I want for me that, you know, while we can't change what's happened from in, our, in our past, I don't want you to look back from this day forward with regret from what you said, how you've acted, the attitude that you've had. I want us to be able to look back and say, listen, I'm not perfect, but I don't have a lot of regrets. I want us to have that, and I believe that we can. I want us to avoid having regret in our lives. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to read uh, chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather today. We thank you for health. We thank you for strength. We thank you for the resources that you have provided us and with, to be stewards of that allow us to do things like get in a car and drive here to a building that has heat and a roof over our heads. God, we, we thank you for those things. God, as we go to your word, may your Holy Spirit speak in through your word and in and through me. And may the results of it be that we take a step closer to you. God, I think as we go to you in prayer, I think of you of our brothers and sisters I think of our brothers and sisters in the United Kingdom and Pastor Morris and Christ Church and the fact that they desperately need a new facility. Lord, would you provide that for them? God, if it's more faith that you're requiring that they step out in, God, would you give them that faith and the courage to step out? God, I thank you, thank you for uh, Pastor Morris and Christ Church and the revitalization that they've been doing in other churches like this one in Kirby. God, we thank you for William, a, a man who is advanced in age and knows that he is soon going to see you. And his life's desire right now is to see life in his church. God, would you grant him that? Would you grant him that before you call him home? God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Uh, We are in this series where we're exploring uh, this book of Proverbs written by King Solomon, someone who is known um, and and well accepted as uh, the the, the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus. Um, And he wanted to write some things down to, to help his son and whoever would read it to live lives that were marked by wisdom. He wanted, he wanted his son to be able to live a life marked by wisdom and lacking in regrets. Verse 7, Solomon says, The memory of the righteous is a blessing. And in verse 9 he writes, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Uh, this has to do with living a life without creating circumstances that one will regret. That's what this is about. The memory of the righteous is a blessing. Thinking back. A righteous person thinking back on his days and weeks and months and years before can do so and be blessed by the memory. But the unwise person's life is full of regrets. Looking back on the life lived and thinking about what it should have done, could have done differently. Thinking about lives that were destroyed, people that were hurt. That is something that we absolutely want to avoid. Some of our regrets may come from a failure of action. An example of that is maybe you wish you would have bought Amazon stock when it first became available, right? We have some regrets of not doing something. Maybe it's a word that wasn't spoken that you feel like you should have said. Sometimes we regret things like that. But much of life's regrets come from the wrong action, the wrong word spoken, or even the wrong motivation in our actions. Uh, The main idea this morning is this that we want to talk about is I want you to learn to walk with integrity and create memories that bring peace and the blessings of God. Say that again. Learn to walk with integrity and create memories that bring peace and blessings of God. Excuse me. We're going to look at two things that we have in our control because there are things in our lives, right, that admittedly that we just can't control. But I'm going to talk about two things that we can control and can help us uh, um, um, save us, help save us from a life filled with regret. And then we're going to talk finally about the attitude that drives both of them. The first thing is this we must learn to control our mouths. We absolutely must learn to control our mouths. Many of us have an enemy, and that enemy resides between our nose and our chin. We say things that get ourselves into trouble. We say things that hurt other people, and we have to learn to control our mouths. Um, You know, as a guy who by nature speaks first and thinks second, right? Anybody else ever do that? Just like you you talk and then you start thinking about what you're saying? Is that what you wanted to hear from your pastor this morning? (laughs) You know, because of that, I've got, I haven't always gotten this right. And, and I like to think I'm better now than I was 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, I was better than I was 10 years prior to that. But I still have work to do for sure. Proverbs 10, verses 19 through 21. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. I want you to listen to that again. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent, 
The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Did you see the connection between the heart and the mouth there? The lips of the righteous feed many, but the fools die for a lack of sense. Solomon says, you can sometimes say too much. Sometimes you should just kind of be quiet. Allow that thought to die in your brain. Right? Have you ever had something you were thinking about, and as soon as you said it, you said, oh boy, I wish I could put that back in there. But it's gone, and you said it. Transgression, I'm sorry, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. You know, when I read that, I kind of, we have a presidential election coming up this year. I feel like a good example of this is politicians, right? We live in a soundbite kind of culture right now where you just catch somebody on these little, little, little uh, blurbs of something they said, and it's used against them regularly. I'm sure a lot of our politicians have said things that they wish they wouldn't have said. You know, I, I, at the risk of making some of you mad at me, I, I wish one of our ex-presidents didn't have a Twitter account, okay? Thank you for a little bit of laugh. I got zero laugh for a service. It was a little bit like, okay, moving on quickly. <laughs> I'm going to actually sit in it for a minute. (laughs) I mean, seriously, like, we've had politicians that are just kind of, they just won't be quiet, and it's not helpful, and it's not good leadership. It ends up destructing and, and hurting people, and it's not helpful. If you're a verbal processor like I am, there's a real risk there. What are you processing, and whom are you processing to? You need to be very careful. You see, we can make an excuse that I'm just processing something verbally while we're gossiping or we're destroying somebody else's credibility. You understand? We need to learn to control our mouths. We can say too much, and we've got to be careful with what we say. The other side of that is the one who restrains his lips is prudent, which is like intelligent or somebody with understanding. You know, you know the saying, we have two mouth, or uh, two mouths. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we talk. I got to confess, I should do that more often. I I should take that advice more seriously. I need to learn to be quiet and to listen. And the truth of the matter is there's probably a lot of us that could take that advice. There's probably a lot of us that, that speak first and think second. And by doing so, you hurt people and you lose your own credibility by doing so. He says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, and the lips of the righteous feed many. Friends, our words, or in some cases the lack of our words, can be very positive and they can bring a blessing to you and to others. Conversely, the wrong words bring destruction and have no value. Proverbs 10, 31-32. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Our words display and bring wisdom, or they can bring folly and destruction. Has anybody ever uh, spoken truth to you in a way that has helped you to grow? Has anybody had the confidence and the courage to bring a challenge to you and say something to you that you knew was true and for your own good and it helped you to grow? How about somebody who at the very right time said a kind word to you and had an incredible impact in your life? You could probably think of some of those things. Friends, there is power in words. 
Words matter. And once they have been spoken, they are out there forever. There's no getting them back. Be very careful with what you say and learn to control your mouths. Something that I need to do as well. How about this? Has anybody ever spoken unkindly to you at just the wrong time? Has anybody ever said anything to you that just plain hurt? Probably so. Or, or has somebody talked about you to others in such a way that hurt your feelings or, or made you upset? There is power in our words. Power for good and power for evil. When it comes to using our words wisely, we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak, particularly in areas where there could be some contention or things could get kind of, um, yeah, contentious. There's power in our words. With that in mind, probably a lot of you are thinking about things that were spoken about you or things that maybe somebody has said that, that was unkind to you. But I'd be willing to bet that every single one of us have been also guilty of those things at some point in our lives. Because of that, we also need to be very quick to forgive. We need to be very quick to get forgive. Yes, words have power. and People who have spoken about you in, in, in demeaning ways and bad ways, they can, they can hurt you. But if you're walking around not forgiving them, you are, you are in a prison cell with a key in your pocket. You're in a prison cell with a key in your pocket. And, and even what's worse than that, and we'll talk about, about this more later, if God can forgive you the sins that you have committed, and think about that and the seriousness of them, can you not forgive those who have sinned against you? I hope that we can. main idea this morning is this. We need to learn to walk with integrity and create memories that bring peace and the blessings of God. Friends, life is short. Life is short. We're looking at two things that we have in our control that can save us from a life of regret. And the attitude that drives them will be the last thing we talk about. The first one was this, we must learn to control our mouths. And the second one is this, we must interact with honesty. This is a well-duh one, right? Of course, as Christians, we should be honest people. But the fact of the matter is, probably there are times in our lives where we're less than honest. Now, there are times in my life where I, I, I run into certain people that I hope aren't super honest to me. You know, um, you guys all been to the doctor, right? If not, it's probably time. Okay, go get a checkup, for goodness sakes. So you know what it's like sitting in, in a waiting room at a doctor's office. You're, you, you know, you can picture it in your head, right? Nurse comes in, opens the door. Mr. Krause, the doctor will see you now. So you, you get up and you walk in. And right to the right or right to the left, depending on your doctor's office, there's an instrument of torture. Do you know what that instrument of torture is? Scale. My goodness, I wish those things lied. So I will go up and I, I walk through past the nurse and I'll speed up and not look at it. And of course, I'm always like, Mr. Krause, Mr. Krause, we need to... Oh. In that moment, I would be all right with a little white lie. I would be okay with a doctor to not tell me the truth. Now, that being said, once we get into that doctor's office and the examination starts, I, I hope the lying stops, right? Well, this could be really bad, but that's going to hurt his feelings. I'm not going to say it. That's not what we want from our doctor. We want our doctor to be honest with What about like your mechanic? You, you might not like having to have your car fixed in a price that it, that it costs, but if, if your brakes are about to go out when you're on the highway, you're probably hoping your mechanic's going to alert you to that, right? That they're going to be honest with you. Honesty matters. 
Honesty matters. We must be people who speak the truth. And we interact with integrity. Listen to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. It says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. What is he talking about here? Well, when you were um, buying and selling goods back in this time, again, a thousand years before uh, Christ, uh, you would measure the currency by weight. So you'd have a scale with two like little bowls kind of on there, and you'd have weights uh, on that scale to, to measure it so it would be, it, so it'd be um, um, the proper weight. You're getting the right amount. And people would rip other people off by changing the balance of the weight. So let's say something in our day cost $100. Uh, they'd rig it to where it looked like your $100 looks like $80 so you give them more. You understand? That's what, that's what Solomon is talking about here with the false weight. And, and a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. It's ripping people off. It's what he's talking about, ripping people off, not living with honesty, not doing business with integrity. Friends, how we do our business matters as Christians. We, we need to be people who are a people of integrity, even if it hurts us. Even if it hurts us. Listen, April 15th is coming, people. Right? Nobody got excited about that at all. April 15th is coming, we're going to have to pay our taxes. You know, it's one thing to, to have a good accountant who looks for all of the savings that they can find you. It's an entirely different thing to falsify records or to lie on your taxes. I don't like paying them either. But as followers of Christ, we need to be people of integrity and be honest people. Solomon says that a false balance isn't just wrong, but it's an abomination to the Lord. The word abomination literally means to, the practice is repelling to the Lord. It repels him. Listen, if you are knowingly ripping someone off, you aren't just sinning against them, you're sinning against God. You're sinning against God. You know, we, we get this when we're dealing with one another, but it seems like there's always something that's tempting to do to save a couple of dollars, right? And maybe that 2020 Silverado you bought with 8,000 uh, miles on it didn't actually cost $500, Right? When you go to the, what is it, the BMV or whatever we call it here, and you, you put in how much you spent, and then you had to pay taxes on that amount, we need to be honest in those things, right? I'm not getting any amens this morning. Listen, it, bother, it bothers me too, right, that somebody already paid taxes on this thing, now i got to pay taxes again. Listen, vote to change the law, but right now it's the law of the land, and as a follower of Christ, we are obligated to do things with integrity and with honesty, even when it hurts. Conversely, dealing honestly with people delights the Lord. When we do that right thing, when we're honest, we are delighting the Lord. And friends, listen to this. You are far better off being honest and poor than dishonest and wealthy. You're far better off being honest and poor than dishonest and wealthy. Proverbs 19.1 Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. How about 16.8, Proverbs 16.8? Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustices. You want to live your life in such a way that you won't have regrets? You're not going to regret being honest and doing the right thing even when it's hard. Friends, we always need to remember that we are ambassadors 
And we are representing Christ in all that we do, including how we handle our business. Including how we handle our business. This means that we need to be honest with all of our business dealings, including terrible things like our taxes. We need to learn to walk with integrity and create memories that bring peace and the blessings of God. Again, we're looking at two things that we have control over that will help save us from a life filled with regret. And then we're going to finally, in just a moment, talk about the attitude that drives both of them. The first one was this. We must learn to control our mouths. The second was we must interact with honesty. And the attitude that drives them both is humility. Humility. And our third and final point is, is this. We must grow in humility. Now this is one of those things that I don't really, I know being humble is good for me. I know humility is good for me, but I'm a little bit scared, if I'm honest, to pray and ask God to give me more humility. Anybody else? Does anybody like being humbled? Boy, I don't. And I feel like every time I'm humbled, it's, it's publicly. So it's like, hey, yeah, you're an idiot, Dan. So not something I enjoy. It's not something that many of us, I think, enjoy. But I think we also know that it's important for us to be humble. You know, I, I, I feel like humility should be easy for us of all people. Because as followers of Christ, we recognize that we are sinful, broken people. And somebody died on our behalf, on our behalf to restore our relationship with God. To pay the penalty of our sin, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Listen, it's hard to be prideful in the shadow of the cross, isn't it? Yet we still, just like everybody else, have to deal with pride in our lives. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 says this, gives us this warning. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. With the humble is wisdom. Pride leads to our disgrace. Doing things in pride, saying things in pride, will hurt us as well as other people. And friends, the Bible has a lot to say about pride and its danger. I'm not going to read through every verse. It would take a whole day to read through all of the verses about pride and humility. But let me give you a couple. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is in, who's lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit, arrogant spirit, before a fall. We should be humble people. James 4, 6, But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, for us to realize that we need grace is a humbling experience. It's a humbling experience. There's no room for pride in Christianity. Mark 7, verses 20 through 23. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Did you catch the company that pride keeps? The, the, the category that it is in here with? Listen to these, these again. 
evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, and foolishness. And pride is right there in, in there with it. We need to be careful that we're not prideful people. We need to grow in humility. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, I'm lost my spot. We think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. In contrast to the dangers of pride, and there are many, Solomon says with the humble comes wisdom. There's a great advantage of being a humble people. And being humble for us is just being realist. Understanding our great need. Our, uh, uh, it, our issues with sin and with living in a fallen world. When we understand those things, we have the right perspective. It becomes easy for us to be humble. But we need to keep that perspective. Let's get real here. Just like the Apostle Paul, the only thing that we have to boast in as a follower of Jesus Christ is the cross. Listen to Galatians 6.14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The fact that there needed to be a cross is humbling. The fact that there needed to be grace from God is humbling. We shouldn't be a prideful people. And prideful people have lives filled with regret. They tend to say the wrong things. They, they tend to not control their mouths. Prideful people always don't deal honestly with other people because they're always looking for an advantage for themselves. Those things aren't uh, attributes that are consistent with a Christian character. And humility is what drives us to watch our mouths, to deal with integrity and honesty in our businesses. Again, we need to learn to walk with integrity and create memories that bring peace and the blessings of God. We're going to wrap up here and then we're going to have another song, so I'm going to ask the band to come join me. The chances while they're coming out here, chances are if you have breath in your lungs, you can think of times when you have come up short in regard to controlling your mouth. You probably can think of times where you've come up short when it comes to being honest. Maybe you've looked for advantages or ways to, to, to not pay your taxes or whatever the case may be in a dishonest way. Chances are you've been prideful in situations where you really needed to be humble. And, and as sure as you have that breath in your lungs, somebody in your life has done and been guilty of one of those things to you, and you've been victimized by that. Listen, I have a challenge, three three part challenge for you this morning. First one is this: do a little self reflection. Do a little self reflection, and confess your shortcomings to the Lord and ask for His forgiveness. Second. Forgive others who have failed you by their speech, who have misrepresented the truth, or have been prideful in a way that has hurt you. Forgive them. Just as you have sins that need to be forgiven, forgive those who have sinned against you. And number three, and then the, the final one is this. Seek to grow in these areas because the world is watching. You are an ambassador to Christ, of Christ. The world is watching what you're doing, how you're behaving, and how you interact. Is it honest? Are you controlling your mouths? Are you humble? These things matter. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for a church family that we can come and gather together 
around your word and learn to become more like you. God, help us to heed this advice that Solomon had for his son, that we could live a life from this point on, that we could live a life that we don't look back with regret on, that we could live a life that brings honor and glory to you. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.